podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On this episode, I have here in the studio with me, Zach Fell from the Wisconsin Music Podcast and ZTF Studio. So welcome, Zach. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Good to see you live and in person. You're uh, like uh, many of the people I've met recently. You know, we've met online. We've talked a bunch online and on social media mm-hmm. and stuff, but never in person. So it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. <laughs> yeah. How have you been? Oh, what, What's th- it been like? It's... A whirlwind over the last year and a half um, with COVID starting and then starting the podcast back in September of 2020. And now I'm have a whole bunch of have a whole bunch of guests that have been wanting to go on the show now. And just a lot of positive, um, great interviews that I think I've had over the last um, almost year now. Yeah, yeah, because you've had your podcast. You started it a little bit before we started ours. I remember talking about that. And, uh, and you graciously asked me to be a podcast pretty early on. Um, what was that? Like, I think the fifth, maybe? So, yeah, it was like Some, before 10. I know yeah, yeah, and I yeah. really appreciate that. And that was awesome. And so um, I've been kind of following what you've been doing. It's been really fun. And, oh, cool. Um, and you do the newsletters now, too. And yeah, I just started that. I think I just did the – today would be the sixth. And I haven't put it out yet at the time of this recording. But, yeah, 16th should be coming out either today or tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really smart thing. But, yeah, I'd like to start off these episodes just by seeing what um, what people have been doing since COVID because that's been such a real reality for, for so many uh, – for everyone, obviously. And, yeah. And so uh, affecting the, the music industry in, in so many different ways. So, so what has it been like, um, you know, just – what has it been like as a podcaster during COVID? Well, since I don't really have the experience of being a podcaster before right, COVID. Right. Um, I can only tell you how it's been so far. And basically it's been the first couple episodes were, you know, trial and error, kind of mm-hmm. figuring out how, how to do things. And over time, just learning how to edit it better and mm-hmm. um, get more comfortable asking questions. Cause that never really, really, uh, that never really was my wheelhouse mm-hmm. was, I'm more of a person like I'm a listener and mm-hmm. not more of a talk, 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 talk mm-hmm. type of person. So for me, it's kind of comfortable where I could just ask one question. And I could just let the person just talk, talk, talk all they want about that certain subject. And it's really cool to understand where they're coming from and what their experiences are. And doing it over Zoom is just really, I guess, over time, I mean, Skype is almost 20 years old, I think now. Right. It's right. 15, 20 years old. Skype so, feels ancient now. Yeah, exactly. And now we have Zoom and Google Hangout or Google Meetings and all these other different kind of things going on. It's just, I see it becoming better and better over the years. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be, if anybody remembers the cartoon, The Jetsons, where they used to have video conferences. You know, that was back in the right, right. long, long, you know, like, what, 50 years ago or something like that? That's cartoon right. Was? Go back so, and watch the Jetsons and see what yeah, actually is happening now. Exactly. Yeah. But it's it's just amazing how some of that stuff is becoming to fruition now. And it's really cool to watch and or interact with somebody over video, even with that little bit of delay. But it's still – it's not that person-to-person kind of how we have it here at the podcast down mm-hmm. here. But I get a feeling like they're really into it as well as I'm into it. Mm-hmm. And it's just – 
I think it just keeps growing and gets better and better. And same with yours and all these other podcasts that are popping up. It's just, I think it's a new AM radio almost, like when that yeah. first came out. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, do you think that COVID has helped podcasting at all? I think so because people didn't know what else to do. They're mm -hmm. stuck at home or if they went to a job, who you know, it just depends on their situation. But I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm tired of all these YouTube videos. I'm tired of this. Let's try something new. Podcast has actually been around for a, a long time right. as well. I forget his name, but he used to be on MTV. Adam, somebody, I can't remember, off, but he was the one that actually started podcasts, if I remember right. But over time, just like any other business or any other idea, if it's a good enough idea, it's either it's going to explode right away or it's going to have a, a buildup and all of a sudden we have what we have today with mm -hmm. podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you are uh, a musician yourself. And, yes. And so can you tell me a little bit about your background as a musician? Okay. I know, uh, where to start. Yeah, where to start. Fourth grade, started <laughs> cello, broke too many bridges for my parents to say <laughs> continue on. So my dad had a saxophone that he had bought years ago before I was born. And I just picked that up. So from fifth grade until today, just a saxophone player. Nice. Um, at 16, my dad's a side note, my dad's a professional drummer. He used to tour all over the place when he was in his 20s and teens and stuff like that. So I kind of learned from listening and watching him over the years, and I kind of picked up the drum set. So nice. that's like my secondary instrument. Mm -hmm. And as a band director, um, I went through UW-Milwaukee um, to get my undergrad degree and we have all these pedagogy classes, mm -hmm. so we have to learn the basics of all these instruments. And then they, once you graduate, if you get into the classroom, you're thrown into this, and you just you gotta know what to do mm -hmm. and get into it. But yeah, I, I used to tour in a band back in the 2000s, and you know, it's just I've gotten to the point where I'm comfortable not being I'm on the rock star track, mm -hmm. and I never really was. It would have been cool to to get the notoriety and everything in the band I was in, but I'm very happy with where I am. I have a great job at Union Grove. Mm -hmm. um, I get to do a podcast and talk to all these great musicians. Um, I ran a studio for about 10 years, and now that, and then COVID hit, and right before that, the building got sold, but then COVID hit, and I didn't really have anywhere to really record anybody, so I started um, becoming a, a mixing engineer. Mm -hmm. So I have people send me their tracks that they've, recorded and i've mixed them for them mm -hmm. and now i'm producing with a, a local band called alley eyes uh, we mm -hmm. just had our production meeting uh practice last saturday and that went really well so my whole life has basically been a musician i've played second alto for the nightwind um community concert band which is a great band anybody mm -hmm. out there interested check out nightwind um they're a fantastic community band and absolutely so music's basically been my whole life yeah yeah that's awesome so what made you decide to I mean for for a day job you're a music a band director at a high school correct so what led you down that path of music education um when I was getting towards the end of the year of my high school career my parents said become a teacher you love working with kids you have a natural they saw it in me they said mm -hmm. you have a natural talent to teach people what you've learned so go and try it out, see if you enjoy the music education part. And I was, I went into it. I was like, yeah, I like this. And then as the years kept going through college, I, went, I liked it more and more and more. And then I did my student teaching in Slinger and really fell in love with teaching high school band kids. So um, about 
10, 12 years ago, I finally got my first high school. I was before I did that, I, I did elementary K through fifth mm -hmm. grade for like nine years. But then I did the middle school and high school at one at a school I was at in Racine. And that went really well. And then um, some things happened in the administration part where I wasn't um, happy with that position mm -hmm. anymore. So I found a different job in Union Grove just happened to open up um, due to the band director um, finding a different passion. Mm -hmm. And um, I got connected with the school and they contacted me and I went and did, I started a week before their first concert. Wow. <laughs> and they got a standing ovation. I worked those kids um, and they worked really hard with me for that week, week and a half. And from then on, I just, I just love that job. Wow. Just, so you started mid semester then. I started, school started early September. I started a month into the school year. Wow. Yeah. A month and a half. Tough. It was, it was tough, but I had no choice. It's right. Like, this is something I wanted to do, and I did everything I could. And that's how I am with most projects. It's something I want to do. I'll put 110% mm -hmm. into it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So and then, uh, how long have you been teaching in, in, at Union Grove High School? Um, I started in 2015. Okay, nice. Yeah, so it's like my sixth year, I think. Yeah, so yeah. it's my 22nd year teaching. Okay, nice. And I, I recall that you uh, – we were just talking about this beforehand. You have like a – uh, group set up where the, where students there can learn uh, recording engineer kind of yes. techniques. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So um, I talked to the administration. And I said, listen, I have my associate's degree in um, professional recording audio, and it's something that I've been doing for a long, long time, and I think students would be very interested in learning behind the scenes of what the music that they listen to on their streaming services. Like, how did how does that go from recording studio to Spotify. Mm -hmm. So basically, I talked to some students. I said, oh, would you be interested in this? And I got enough interest. Went to the administration said, I have these many students that are interested in it. Here's my proposal. This is the kind of the budget that i kind of looking at to start. They looked it over. They said, okay, let's try it. So I have wonderful administration at that school. And they said, all right, let's do this. And so we got the equipment and we started an after-school program that's was about an hour, hour and a half long, once or twice a week, depending on you know the students' availability, and the kids learn from signal flow to um, to release. Mm -hmm. So they got to learn how signal flows from a microphone um, down the the cable into an um, interface. Basically, today we use computers instead mm -hmm. of analog digital tape. Um, how that gets all processed into an aid, um, audio to digital, then back to a digital to mm -hmm. audio converter. And how to mix something, how to put compressors and EQs and effects and, you know, just little highlights. <clears throat> Excuse me. All these highlights that these kids can learn. There's so much to learn. Um, and it takes a while, but if you take it step by step, the kids start getting it. And then eventually they just, they're like sponges. All of a sudden it all comes together and clicks mm -hmm. for them. And then they got to put together this... Um, what we did was we did a cover of a song. I can't remember it off the top of my head. It was a country song. And the art department rewrote the lyrics to coincide with the, with the school. And we had all students that are in the music program either record an instrument. So we had a kid cover the drums, the bass, the guitar, um, and the keyboards. And then we had people from the choir sing backup um, 
chorus type of stuff on it, and one of the kids was selected to do the mm. main vocal for it. That's so fun. So it was a whole um, music production kind of thing, and the kids were just so excited. And That's a really, great idea. Yeah, and they would just, when they got to hear it, they were just like, oh, that is so cool. We got to do something like that. Awesome. I bet. And so did that go out to school families then too? Uh, went on the website, and yeah, so all the families could go and click on it and listen to the the new school song and it's not the school song that they play at, you know, pep band and stuff like that. But it's kind of like, this is like, um, like a song or a video that they could send out to possible, um, kids that might want to come to the school. Yeah. Recruitment. Yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. That. Yeah. Maybe next stop is a, a music video. Have you thought about that? <laughs> they, yeah. They actually did put that together. They used the song and then we also have a media department. So they went out on the football field and oh, cool. had like all the, kids that could make it at that time go and do like line dancing and stuff like that so oh, court, court, fun. and they had um what do you call those things that fly up in the air why is the word um drone oh drone okay camera. so they did the drone camera and watching all wow. the kids do yeah so it was really really cool impressive that sounds fantastic i want to go to your school <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sold awesome so and then tell me now are you still um playing music yourself um not at the moment, obviously, mm -hmm. because of COVID. Um, like I said earlier, I'm part of the Nightwind um, Ensemble concert band. I think um, they said they're not having everybody come back um, mandatory vaccinated, and I'm a little mm -hmm. uncomfortable about that. So I'm taking the first concert off and kind of seeing where it, the country is at that time. And that's so I'm going to kind of decide after the when the first concert's over, either I'm going to continue with them or pursue other interests yeah sounds good yeah and and you were you had a band with your family right i did um it started with me my brother on bass and vocals and a friend of ours who played who's a really excellent trumpet player but he can play guitar as well it started kind of like a three-piece garage band back in like the mid to late 90s and over time um it's changed and then my father um, decided to help us out. He actually became like the producer of the band and nice. played drums and s played guitar and wrote songs with us. And by 2002, um, my dad had, is also a, was an 18 year veteran of the construction trade as a carpenter and also did the last almost 20 years of his career. He's retired now as a building inspector for Franklin. But anyways, he built two houses and the second house he built um, we built a recording studio in the basement, oh, cool. and that's where we—that's where everything kind of started coming together about recording. And we made an album in 2004, uh, won a Whammy Award in 2006 for um, best contemporary jazz—not really contemporary jazz album, but that's basically the yeah. the the field that they put us in. Played all over. Um, we played Summerfest a couple years, a couple times. Um, Jazz in the Park a couple times, Bastille Days. Um, we actually were part of the Kelmarine Jazz Festival before, while they were still around. Sure. Um, we were the house band for Easter Seals in Illinois Okay. for a couple of years, 2005 and six. I think those were. And uh, probably the best um, outside Wisconsin gig that we had was that we got to play at Arlo's Grocery in New York, which was a converted grocery store into a... Um, a nightclub kind of thing. Oh, nice. So we got to fly to New York, and we played for Mama Palooza, which is what it was called at that <laughs> time. And um, I think it was for Battered 
wives and girlfriends and spouses yeah. kind of thing, unfortunately, why we have to have those things. But anyway, I diverse. Um, that, that was just a great, great um, yeah. gig to go, to go to New York and yeah. you know, play in New York and Manhattan. That was really awesome. Nice. But um, as time went on, you know, people's directions changed and kind of got kind of stopped around like 2012 was kind of like the end of it yeah but okay th- but that was like the last band i was in and here and there i've been in a couple different situations playing with people but nothing serious yet yeah yeah what was the name of that band again fell boys b-o-y-z-s put a z-s at the end got it got it nice <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And and so since then, uh, you've really kind of done more of your, your studio work. Yeah. And, and putting more of an emphasis on that and then ultimately a podcast. And what uh, what kind of studio work have you been doing since then? Um, basically, like I think I mentioned earlier, is like I would reach out to bands and listen like on Bandcamp or Reverb or, you know, different places like that and listen to their stuff and go, they have some really great ideas, and I think in a lot of these bands, you know, they do it themselves. They mix it and record mm-hmm. it and all the other stuff, and they're not professionals at it, but they have great um, ideas, and they have a good idea how to get it mixed, but not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to them. I say, hey, I'll do a free trial mix of one of your songs. If you like what I do, awesome. If you don't, no big deal. No strings attached either way, and if you like what I do and you, we get to talking and you, you know, if I, f- if you feel like I might be something that be beneficial to your recordings then we can talk about that. And I've had a band start sending me stuff and start working with me and start putting stuff out mixed yeah. under the, the studio. And now I'm um, getting into producing bands. I'm working with a, a local band right now, Alley Eyes, and we had our first production um, recording session on Saturday and that went really, really well, and they're looking forward to the next time we get together. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of a discussion. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember if we're friends on Facebook or whatever, but I have this Facebook group where we have different discussions and things. And one of the questions that just came up recently that someone asked was uh, about, like, mastering and, and their own album. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was asking what different people's perspective was on that. And, you know, so many people said you shouldn't do that yourself. You got to have other people listening and, you know, because other, it's just not, you're not going to hear things mm-hmm. if you do it yourself. I don't know. Would you say, what would you say to that? To having someone else master. Yeah. Um, that's always my go-to. Yeah. Um, I can do a fake master. I can get up to the streaming levels they want to. I can lift a little bit more fog out of it if they want to. But if you really, really want it done right, go to someone that specializes in it. Just like a doctor, you don't go to your, you know, the basic physician, if you have cancer, you go to mm-hmm. a specialist because it's really important to make sure what you send out to everybody is going to sound good on no matter what they listen to. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main things about mastering. You could have like a small mono speaker, one speaker, Bluetooth player, and it's going to sound good on that. It's not going to sound mm-hmm. amazing, but it's going to sound good on that as well as you throw it on a five thousand dollar stereo system mm-hmm. you know it's going to sound amazing on that if you do it yourself you're you it's a 50 50 it yeah. depends you and know. even with just the basic mixing too like yeah exactly i mean when you ha- allow someone else to listen they're going to hear things that you don't hear um definitely yeah. it's yeah it's like i guess if 
another way of looking at it is like if you watch a movie and you watch it a second or third time, you start seeing things that you didn't see mm-hmm. the first or the second time. And I think the same thing with mastering. If you're going to do your own mastering and your own mixing, sometimes you miss things because your brain automatically mm-hmm. puts it in there without you even knowing it, and it's not really there. Mm-hmm. Where you send to somebody with fresh ears, they don't know that song from mm-hmm. Adam, and they start picking up on things that you would never would have picked up on. Mm-hmm. For sure. What is uh, one of the, the biggest... Um, maybe pet peeves that you have from listening to people's recordings? That's, that's a hard question <laughs> to answer. No, it's a good question to try to answer, but it's a hard because each one's a little bit different. Sure, sure. Um, but I'll give you examples. Um, sometimes the kick drum is just way too loud, or sure. the hi-hat is like ripping your ears off, or the singer is buried, but whatever they mixed it on, it sounded all balanced. Because they're not, they don't know that their headphones are um, increased bass or increased treble or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, they don't know what's flat. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to have a really flat um, listening system to make sure that things are as balanced as possible. Got it. Yeah, got it. And then at one point, uh, what what was the reasoning behind starting your own podcast? To not be old. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I'm going to be 46 in 18 days. So nice. 10 years ago, um, I was teaching one of the high school bands that, at the high school I was teaching, and not, not Union Grove, but a different one. And they started talking about um, a new music style, and I can't think of the, of the name of uh, dubstep. Yeah. And I said, what the heck is dubstep? Yeah. And one of the drummers said, well, it's a drum beat like this. And I'm going, it's got to be more than just a drum beat. So I started going, okay, I am, at, at that time I was probably like 35, so you know, I'm like 10 years out of the 20s, right. you know, and going, I'm not into the new what's coming up anymore. I'm going, okay, so the seed is planted in my brain. You're starting to get old <laughs> <laughs> in the music terms. So I st- eventually I got to the point where, podcasting became a viable option. I'm like, I want to start learning about what's going on in today's music world. I don't care what style it is. As long as you're not spreading hate, I want to hear what you're doing. Because yeah. I want to learn as music is part is a major part of my life, and I want to know what's going on, what's coming up, you know. Yeah. And compare it to the old, you know, I love the old stuff. I love Beethoven. I love Mozart. I love this. I love um, the big band stuff. I love, you know, the the jazz stuff. I love, you know, everything out there I, I really enjoy because they all have something special mm-hmm. to to show, you know, everybody's creative in a different way, and that's mm-hmm. great because if we're all the same, how how boring would that be, you know? <laughs> so like I said, um, as long as I'm learning, then I don't feel as old anymore when it comes to music. Yeah, yeah, I like that answer. That's not what I might have expected, but <laughs> I like it. So has it helped you feel like you're staying in the loop? Yes, um, definitely, because there's a lot of great – I was – a lot of great talent out there. It's just amazing what there is in Wisconsin. You mm-hmm. know, you grow up thinking you have to go to Nashville, you have to go to L.A. or New York or, or you know, one of those major hubs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you for a lot of times, yeah, you're going to have to go there. But no matter where you go, there's going to be great musicians. And mm-hmm. Wisconsin is one place that has amazing musicians mm-hmm. in it. And I forget where I was going with this now. Um was uh, it, w- did it help you to stay young? Stay young. Okay, <laughs> there we go. So yeah, I guess yeah. I'm not saying too young anymore. Um, so 
yeah, in the short run, yes. I think I feel much more in tune with what's going on. And I was at a, a battle of bands on Saturday, and they're, these, these kids are awesome, yeah. you know? These kids are putting their hearts into what they're doing up there on stage. You know, did I like every minute of it? Absolutely not. No one's going to like when you have eight different bands playing eight different types of music. You're not going to like every minute that you're listening to. But for the majority of it, every band had something very special. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And they were just, like I said, all heart. And they were just, it was just amazing to mm -hmm. see. The, to go out now that COVID is even though things are rising up again, they're saying, um, they go out and just see live music again and mm -hmm. see people just putting all their heart. It's just amazing. So yeah. yeah. So in a nutshell, I'm feeling a little bit younger yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten you there. Yeah. What are uh, some of the other things you learned from doing the podcast? Take your time. Don't yeah. be in a rush. And the people you interview are just people. They're mm -hmm. not something on a pedestal or somebody you can throw you know you shouldn't throw away everything everybody on there it seems to have something important to say about the music um music life that they're living um i talk about like the i'm trying to th best way to place this i ask them how they view the local scene Mm -hmm. And the positive things that they talk about is amazing. And the things that, and then I ask them also about what's oppressing or what's um, making the music scene suffer. And a lot of times it's a lot of the same answer. And then sometimes some comes out from left field and like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I learn a lot from doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. And what, once again, I don't feel as old anymore because <laughs> I'm learning all this new stuff. And, you know, I consider myself more of an introvert, but in this, doing the podcast kind of helps me bring um, the extrovert out out of me a little bit more, and I get to go and talk to people, and it's it's just if I didn't like doing it, I wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I here I am almost a year later, so I'm really happy with doing the podcast, and I think I hope I shouldn't say I think I should say I hope that people who listen to it and the people who are on it. Um, take something away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, I can say for myself when I was on, you know, it just the different questions when you're when you're on someone's show, it, it forces you to think about why you do what you do right. that much more. And and sometimes in, you know, in ways that, you know, you, you're asking me questions that I hadn't really thought to ask myself, you know, so it just it reinforces what you're doing and helps you to just direct your own work a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the most interesting guests you've had on the show? Oh man. Let's see here. Um, you know, each one has its difference, you know, this know, was, it's, tough. It's, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it's like asking which child is your favorite. Yeah. It, it depends <laughs> on the day, you know, who's, who's, who's not being, you know, but anyways, um, to go back to your question for, I think they're all interesting, but one of them is, um, queen quail. And she um, lives in Ber – she's from Milwaukee. She lives in Berlin as well. She goes back and forth. And she's like this um, dreamy pop kind of artist, plays guitar and sings. And I find um, hers is kind of eclectic kind of stuff. I, I kind of draw a little bit to that eclectic side. So I, I enjoy her stuff. Um, Fat Function, I've been a fan of theirs for over 20 years. I, they were one of my first um, – interviewees on the podcast as well 
and they're just this high energy funk. I'm a tower of power mm-hmm. type person, and they're in that mode. And I'm like one of those bands. Like mm-hmm. if I ever got to play in a band that I really want to play in, Fat Function would be a highlight for me mm-hmm. just for a show or two. That'd be great. Um, but there are so many different bands out there that I've interviewed that just each one has their own special twist on the music that they're playing. So like I said, it's really hard to mm-hmm. pick, you know, a few, but those are two that pop in my head right now. Yeah. And and you do stick with Wisconsin based musicians. Yes. Um, 99% of the people that I have interviewed have been Wisconsin based or tied to Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 And what was the impetus behind that for you? Because I th- feel Wisconsin music or musicians don't get the recognition that they should be getting. Yeah. And there's a lot of great um, podcasts in Wisconsin that do that, and I just wanted to be another voice for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think when we first talked, I mean, that was something that we had in common. We both really enjoy showcasing, um, you know, Wisconsin's best, and that's why we don't uh, necessarily do that with our podcast. That's, it's kind of, but in our, in our concert series, that's what we do a lot of, and the mm-hmm. podcast is a little bit of an extension of that. Uh, in, in ours, we do a little bit more with outsiders from Wisconsin, but um, a lot of them just because of what we do end up being Wisconsinites, but yours is very specifically um, focused on Wisconsin, which is really, really cool. And, you know, I think that's awesome. Um, So yeah, I think as many as, you know, people as we can get to, to help shine the light on what we have happening, there are so many amazing musicians. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, one of the things I pivoted on was I used to have a Friday teaser, which would kind of tease what the Monday show Mm -hmm. would be. And I figured, you know, people can just wait till Monday to hear who's going to be mm-hmm. on there. So I changed my Friday to a Friday music showcase. So I have bands, and they still do this. Please do. Um, they send me like two or three songs with a little short bio and a short story behind each song. And on Friday, I play like three to six songs from one to two artists. And it's kind of like just like a radio program. And we just play their oh, songs nice. and a little story behind each one. And there's no interview. It's just those songs and i i think that's helped a little bit with my stress of the podcast mm-hmm. where okay i have to get this teaser done bef- before friday for the monday show and i was like you know what let's do something that's going to elevate the music how, how can i elevate the musicians of wisconsin even more so that's why i did the pivot and i said mm-hmm. let's do friday it's a little bit easier to do this i'll just throw some songs into my daw and i'll put in whatever I need to put in for voiceover and whatever. And then Monday's show is Monday's show. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's a good idea. And then gets their music out there that much more. Exactly. And it's not the, the musician that's going to be on on Monday. Oh, got it. It's going to be whoever sends me two or three songs. Got it. Yeah. I like it. Okay, I'm with you now. That's awesome. And and I, you know, we were talking just before we started this that you have a newsletter now that you put out. Yes. And what made you decide to do that? Um... Because everybody does it, I yeah. guess. Well, uh, I think, you know, not necessarily, but I not, think if you're smart, you're doing it. <laughs> right. I, th- I think to back up a little bit, um, six years ago is when I actually started listening to podcasts, and it was nothing to do with music. I was actually learning how to trade stocks. Mm. I was starting to get into that a little bit. But I started listening to podcasts, and I went, okay. So that that was that for at that time. And then I got into back into mixing. Uh, music and so I started listening to mixing podcasts and uh, podcasts that talk to um, engineers that 
work musicians, uh, work with musicians, mix their music, and so on and so forth. And then I started getting newsletters from them years ago. Oh, okay, so you get a newsletter with this podcast. So then when I started mine, I didn't think of it right away, but then eventually I was like, you know what, maybe I should start putting a podcast uh, newsletter out. And all the podcast is is it tells you what's happened within that week. Who is um, who is on the Friday Music Showcase, who was on the Monday, the Monday show. And then I also, since I started it late, I go back and I started at the beginning and said, here who was on episode one in mm-hmm. newsletter number one, newsletter number two, who was on episode number mm-hmm. two, so on and so forth. So it's kind of like a... If you d- if you missed anything, well, you know, go check out this person that you might have missed if you just started listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little bit of information from who's on the show, um, and you know, the typical if you like to donate, you know, click on this link, blah blah blah, kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. So, but basically, it's just a little highlight of who's been uh, who's on that show within that week, and like I said, who was in a past show. And I think in the future, I would like to start collecting data for who's playing where and when. So in that newsletter, they can go, this week, this is who's playing where. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode or next newsletter next week will be like, this is who's playing this week, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always trying to change it a little bit so it's not the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if you knew this about me. I'm such an e-newsletter junkie. Like, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> such a nerd about that stuff. And I think it's just so smart because it's, you know, social media is great, but you can't get like measurables you know from that with right. e-news you can see exactly who's opening and from where and how many times and who's clicking on what and you know you can just get stats from that that right. you can't in other places uh so it, it, i think it's great and and it goes directly to people yep. and and they have to elect to you know typically to, to get it and um so they want to see that they you know and, it, and I'm always, like, trying to finesse our own, like, you know, figure out, oh, how can we get more opens on this? And, you know, <laughs> what subject line is going to draw people in? And right, it's right. just such a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun for me. Do you use a particular service that you like for that? Um, <clears throat> MailChimp is what I'm going to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, right now I'm not getting any analytics because I'm just taking it uh, right, right out of my, my, g- it. my Gmail. But, yeah. Um, I didn't even realize that. It looked like it was a service or something. So I, I have a little bit of graphic um, design Got in my backgrounds. It. I used to, I taught myself how to write my own websites. I taught myself how to use Photoshop back in like the late 90s or 2000s when you had to type in HTML and everything like that or to use Dreamweaver. So yeah, ah. I'm an old man compared to what <laughs> you can go on Wix or, you know, Squarespace or whatever nowadays and just make a website in a day. Yeah. Then it was took you know, a week or so and then you keep changing it. Right, right. But well, MailChimp is good because it's free for like the first, you know, if you have less than five hundred th- or a thousand or something like yeah. that, yeah, and I, I think I only have like a hundred people signed up for the yeah. newsletter right now. But you know, I think I like doing the grassroots thing. I don't pay for advertisement for yeah. it. I, I have a couple sponsors. I sponsor it myself with the studio, and then right. I have a, a photographer that also sp- sponsors. And it doesn't. It's not that much, you know, but it just helps a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's awesome, and it seems like it's really grown over the last year since you started. It's been about a year, correct? Yeah, it'll be end of September. Will be a year. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm taking the next couple of weeks off because I'm going off to California with my wife. We're gonna mm-hmm. take a little trip, so I'm I'm just gonna shut it down for a couple of weeks, which mm-hmm. is really nice because no one is my boss with this thing. So right. If yeah. I need to shut it down for a couple of weeks, I can shut it down for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Good for you. And then, uh, do you? Uh, 
have any plans for like, or what is the what is the best sort of guest uh, that you would look for besides being from or is associated with, with Wisconsin? Um, someone that just wants to come on the show and be excited about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, either it be a show coming up, an album coming up, um, playing with certain people, just, you know, that this is something that they really, really want to do mm -hmm. um, and help elevate the music scene. I'm all about let's help each other. Let's not, it's not a comp, and never liked having, being in a competition. Even mm -hmm. when I was in high school, we're going to the jazz competition. Why are mm -hmm. we going to a competition? Why can't we just play and learn from each other? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hoping the podcast does is that people listen and they're learning from everybody. Mm -hmm. So if you can, t if my guests can teach somebody something that they didn't know about the music, you know, life in Wisconsin or whatever, mm -hmm. I, I, I call that a successful podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I like that. So I'd like to just ask you a few questions about your own um, uh, background in the music business. Sure. You've, you've done, you've worn a lot of hats in the music business. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, uh, where did you learn uh, sort of, you know, your background in the studio? Where did you go to, I, um, yeah, I just get your start with that. Okay. Um, recording started with a four-track cassette um, <laughs> Tascam that my uncle brought over to the first house my dad built. Um, and the first house my dad built, we, and we had a studio, not like we had in the second one, but a little area and we ran a snake. If you don't know what a snake is, a big audio cable that has like 24 inputs on one end and 24 outputs on the other. Anyways, ran it up two flights of stairs into a, a room above the garage. And I sat there making sure everything was recording. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm like 17, 18 years old or something. I didn't know anything about recording except this is these sliders make it louder and softer, and that's all I knew at that yeah. time. And then I kind of started getting the bug, um, playing in bands and wanting to do our own um, album and knowing that we are the type of musicians that need a lot of time to pro not produce, but to go through things and make sure that what we put out there is going to be happy with it 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So we knew we couldn't just go to a studio and sit there for hours and hours, days and days, weeks and weeks, whatever, whatever, because that would just be way too expensive, and that kind of money we could just invest in our own studio. And then my dad had the forethought of knowing that I had the talent to do it, which was, you know, great for me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, you know, guiding me there, Dad. And then I went to the recording workshop in 2001 in Chillicothe, Ohio, because I knew, because I, I had my teaching certificate, I was already teaching during the school year, so I only had so many months between the next, the end of the school year and the next school year. So that became probably the best possibility for me to try to get as much I could learn um, about recording as possible. So I went down there, did eight weeks um, from early July till mid-August. And from there, we started the studio in the second house my dad built and started that and started having um, local bands come in and doing stuff for about 10 years. And then mm -hmm. it's just, and I never stopped. Mm -hmm. it's, just, yeah. it's just a passion of mine. I, and I feel like I'm getting better and better each time I mix or record. And it's, it's just like learning an instrument. It's, you're never done learning that instrument. And it's just the same thing with the studio. You're always learning something new. And you're applying it. And you're just trying to make everything better for everybody. Yeah, involved. for sure. 
For sure. That's awesome. So what would you say is like the biggest lesson you've learned along the way from uh, being in music? Got another hour? Yeah, Man, I know, right? Wow. Um, you can give us multiple that time. We've got time. <laughs> things I've learned. Is that what you said? Yeah. Things mm -hmm. I've learned. Um, slow down. Mm -hmm. Not everything needs to be done in a day. Um, listen to other people. And be open-minded, no mm -hmm. matter what. Um, in the studio, especially, when a band comes in and, and you've got three different um, personalities in the same band and want to try to do three different things mm. on the same song, instead of arguing it for, about it for an hour, let's take 10 minutes. Let's try it your way, let's try it your way, and let's try it your way. And then... Then you can make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. Let's not yeah. argue about it. Let's just do it and see which one works the best way. That's oh, man. I bet you've been around some good arguments. <laughs> yeah, um, to the point where we've had people leave and not come back for mm -hmm. until they settle down. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you, in a way, it's kind of like you're a teacher trying to control a classroom. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, Johnny, you need to take a break. That's fine. And Sally, you too, or you know, Jane or whatever. Um, but let's take a breather. Go eat. We'll take a lunch break. We'll come back, everybody's settled down, and let's try those three different ways of how you want to do this song, and we'll, then we can decide. Then you guys can take it home. I don't care. And listen to it 100 million mm -hmm. times till one of yours is happy with whichever one you mm -hmm. want to do it with. So overall, I think you can apply that to almost anything. Live gigs, studio, mm -hmm. just personal relationships. Instead of arguing about something, just let's try it a couple different ways and see one what works the mm -hmm. best. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have bands that come in that don't seem to have a plan that just try and? You know? um, I try to prep them before they okay. come into the studio. It's like, all right, let's have a, I try, they call it a production meeting, mm -hmm. I guess. Let's all meet. Let's go have lunch, coffee, whatever. Let's talk about what you really want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, over COVID, the band that I'm working with right now, that's what I did with them. I said, listen, guys, before we even go into a recording studio, let's make sure you're not going to waste your time, my time, or money. Let's do some pre-production stuff. Let's go through this stuff. Let's see where exactly you want to go with each one of these songs and how far you want to produce or how far you don't want to produce. Mm -hmm. Who do you, who do, who's inspiring you, you know, musician-wise, you know? Is it The Strokes? Is it Dave Matthews? Is it, you know, um, Garth Brooks? Mm -hmm. Is it Modest Mouse? Who's, you know, who's helping mm -hmm. drive you to do what you're doing? And then let's break everything down and this is, and then I tell them these are the things that you need need to take care of before you even step foot into a recording mm -hmm. studio. And so far, that seems to help a lot. Mm -hmm. They have some direction, yeah. not just get all excited. Let's go to the recording studio, and then once you get there, it's like, oh crap! Now what? Now yeah. what? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great advice, and I'm glad to, glad to hear that you do that because, uh, yeah, I can only imagine that uh, some some people have not really prepared themselves. Yeah, yeah. you have to prepare because you're spending. It's expensive, yeah. Yeah, you're spending money, and you're going to put something out there that's going to be there for almost forever. Right. And you don't want to look back at it 10, 20 years going, oh, yeah. I wish I did this, this, or this differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who have some of your mentors been? Um, I would say growing up with a musical family mm -hmm. has been a major influence mm -hmm. on me. Um, my dad and my and my mom. They've been listening to music. My dad, like I said earlier, is a professional drummer, professional musician, producer, you know, whatever, 
he's worn a lot of hats too. I guess I could kind of get that mm -hmm. from him. Um, but yeah, definitely him and my mom. And I would say a couple teachers from high school. Um, one of my, my band director, Doug Johnson, um, at the time he wasn't really an influence, but older I've gotten, mm -hmm. I look back and see what he has done. You know, you get, yeah. you get wiser when you get older. It's just, it's, it's just the way it is, I guess. Yeah. And, and you start realizing what impact they had on you. Exactly. And, yeah. um, and this is going to get a little dicey, but, um, and you, I don't, this isn't, is this yeah. live? No. Okay. So you can edit this out if you want to. <laughs> um, the guy that I student taught with, yeah, unfortunately, come to light about five years ago, find out that he was a sexual predator. Oh wow! But separating that part from his teaching, yeah, because I at that time I didn't know this right. was like twenty some years ago. Um, the way he taught the kids, yeah, was inspiring. It's like the kids really were drawn to him. And now I look back at it, I go, oh, crap, are they drawn to him because right. he was doing things that are immoral? Yeah. Or is he just a really good teacher and then off to the side he's being an immoral wow. jackass, you know? Wow. Was it uh, with, like, with underage? With this, yeah, with his high school students. Wow. Yeah. And um, she came out about it. I, I can't remember, but it was – a decade or two after it happened. Okay. So it. it definitely was happening while I was a student teacher, while wow. I was being student taught from him. Um, I never saw any of that. Right. Um, That's got to be really yeah, it, it was, devastating. Yeah, I was it? just like, this was a guy that I really looked up to. This is the, the guy that I based a lot of how I taught my students. Yeah. And no, he wasn't touchy-feely in the classroom right. or anything like that. It was just like... He knew his he knew his stuff. Yeah. He knew how to teach these kids, but then to learn that that's what he was doing. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah. at the time before I knew but, that, he yeah, was still a, impactful. He was yeah. impactful, but um, so that's yeah. unfortunately what happened. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, you grow up still. I mean, that's that's a person in your life who is very important. So. Right. It's kind of like you don't want to know your heroes too well. Right. Because then you start seeing them in a different light sometimes and you go oh crap yeah 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 sorry to get dark really there. interesting no yeah. no that's that that would be a tough one yeah yeah and what would you say to those w looking to do music professionally right now have a thick skin <laughs> um have confidence in what you're doing don't duplicate somebody else they're yes, already yeah. there no you know and i've I've been guilty of that. Um, Dave Matthews Band, when I was 18, was came on the scene and it just blew my mind. I was like, yeah. all this different stuff going on, these amazing musicians, my opinion, of course. <laughs> um, but I would watch Carter, the drummer. I could watch him for hours. The bass player, Stefan, I could watch him for hours. Um, when he was alive, Leroy Moore, the saxophonist. Yeah. Um, or when Boyd was in the band, um, the violinist. Just each one of them had brought something unique. And I think that's what musicians out there need to do. They need to bring something unique themselves. I'm not saying it has to be off the wall, out of the box kind of thing, but it has to be them. Because, you know, in the end, I think your audience is going to know if you're faking it or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So be yourself. 
have confidence in what you're doing. You know, if, no matter if a hundred million people are telling you it sucks, if you love what you're doing, keep at it. And it might suck, but if you keep at something, eventually it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you just got to trial and error, try different things. Sometimes you have to pivot, and that's fine. You know, listen to whole different a musician's catalog that's been around for decades. Their first album and last album are not going to sound anywhere mm -hmm. near the same. Unless mm -hmm. they go back to their roots. Mm -hmm. So I would say basically be yourself and try different things and see what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. work. You know, life is, is an experiment, I think. And eventually you're going to find something that really clicks for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Are you a Dave Matthews fan? A little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know. Before COVID, if you went, I think we usually, me and my wife would go and see them at least six times a year if yeah, not more yeah but what's one of the great things about my wife is that she is a music she's not a musician but she is a music lover and yeah. we like 90 percent of the same stuff and we go and we like to go follow bands we when um brandy Car carlisle first started on the scene we we were you know us distance yeah. apart at concerts and we got to talk to her and you know she, no now she's a big grammy winner yeah. and everything like that so it's kind of cool watching someone from even though she's not from wisconsin just to see a band that's at a certain level yeah and just get to that where she is today yeah. with, with the great band that she has so for sure i know i've been a big dave matthews fan as well but i've also been careful about saying that because i know they they're kind of known for like having a following that not a lot of people really like so <laughs> you know what i'm talking about like but they, each their own you yeah know? Uh, but you but musically, they're like insane, you know. Yes, they're really yes. really good. Like, it, I mean, I I yes, I've been in like you just if you know what they're doing, mm -hmm. it, it's just how can you not just sit there and watch and listen and just be in awe? Like, yeah, exactly. It's it's incredible. But they you, they're kind of known for having like you know a douchebag following, right? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> You go to any concert, you're right, gonna find right. those people. You know, yeah. either they drank too much or they, who knows? Yeah, all of a sudden yeah. they become a different person when they're at a concert, and they're trying to enjoy it, but then they forget that there are other people there. Or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I try to ignore that as much as possible. We've gotten to the point. You know, 20 years ago we were as close to the stage as we could in the pit. And now we're, like, at the back of the pit, just leaning against the fence if we're in the pit and just watching the show and all the young kids can do their whatever they're doing up front. Yeah, Because yeah. we're there for the opening act because I want to see the opening act. And then as soon as the lights draw down and we know they're coming up, everybody in the pit wants to push forward. I'm like, I don't oh want to do God. this anymore. <laughs> can we just go to the back and just enjoy the show instead of trying to – everybody's trying to get to the, to the front of the stage. It's like, what's the point? It doesn't matter if you're – five feet from the stage or 20 feet away from the stage or 100 feet it's still gonna be a great show it doesn't yeah. matter but yeah anyway that's my old age talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i i hear you i know i don't think i ever got so close as you but uh yeah so i yeah but i i every concert there was that that kind of thing happening so you know, really fun stuff yeah and it's it's nice now i mean i used to be like die hard david they would be the only thing I would listen to mm -hmm. for, you know, their first album, not the first studio album that came out under the table dream. I think that was in my CD player. There I am dating mm -hmm. myself again, CD player in my truck. <laughs> I think it was nonstop in there for a good six months. Yeah. Because, you know, like we talked about earlier, 
the first time you hear something or watch something, you don't catch everything. But every time I listen to it, I always catch something just a little bit different that yeah. I didn't quite catch yeah. when I was listening to it the first six months. And even today, I'll put headphones on, I'll listen to the second album, I'm like, oh, Carter just, I just heard Carter pick up drumsticks off yeah. whatever he picked and then start ah. playing again. It's like, but that's my um, studio ear, right. too. My engineer is like, ah. Oh. And I like those little things because yeah. it makes it more real. Yeah, interesting. Huh. I like that. I like that. And who are you listening to right now? Oh, um, besides the people that I have on my podcast. Obviously, um, yeah. We talked about um, Brandy Carlisle, uh, Secret Sisters, um, Joseph. Um, who else? Is, who just Peter Frampton just came out with a new album. Sounds phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Tower of Power. You know, I try to listen to everything. Um, Hip-hop, I'll even listen, you know, as a white middle-aged man, you know, back in the day when I was 16, I had my windows rolled down to my parents' 1991 Ford Explorer mm -hmm. blasting MC Hammer. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's – so I've tried to pick from everything mm -hmm. and try to learn from everything because I think every genre has something to say. And I know there are bands out there that try to spread hate with their music, and that's not my thing. But other than that, I mm -hmm. just try to draw from everything. Mm -hmm. Opera, country, new age, emo, mm -hmm. you know, you name – and I'll give it a listen, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll give it a couple of tries. Even like bands I really liked, and then they come out with a new album, and at first I go, "What the heck is mm -hmm. this?" But then you know, some of those albums you go, "Oh, they're they pivoted and they tried to do something different than what they've done in the past." And mm -hmm. that's then you, when you realize that you go, "Oh, now I get it," and I like that. So mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of different. It's mm -hmm. really hard to to itemize who I'm listening to right now. For sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, awesome. Well, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I don't remember what I said the whole time, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it feels like it just went by real quick. I mean, but I appreciate being on here. This was amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much. Of course. And, and where can we find more information on you and the Wisconsin Music Podcast and ZTF? Basically, if you just go to wisconsinmusicpodcast.com, all the information there mm -hmm. about the podcast, there's a guest um, interest form that they can fill out, guest requests. So just fill that out if you want to be on the podcast, and I'll get in contact with you. If you want to be on the Friday Music Showcase, just send me an email to wisconsinmusicpodcast at gmail.com with newsletter in the subject and just say, you know, you'd like to be on the part of the newsletter recipients. So I'll put that together. And... If you want to talk to me about recording or mixing or producing, they can contact me at ZTF Studio. There's no S at the end, so studio. Mm -hmm. So ZTFstudio.com. Awesome. Well, and that's the same for the email, ZTFstudio at gmail.com. But that's basically it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really thank appreciate you so, it. Thank you yeah. so much for being uh, for having me on here. It was a great it was my first podcast to be uh, a guest on. Oh, awesome. So yeah. thank you so much for yeah. having me here. Awesome. I'm so glad you made it. Thanks for making the trip uh, trip north to Wauwatosa. No problem, no problem. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Zach. Have a good one. You too. We would like to thank Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, for being an amazing supporter and patron of Wisconsin Music Ventures and thus this podcast. Thank you, Podcast Town, for all you do for us. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. 
The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.